Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Airway First, a podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca Downing. My guest today is Dr. Funke Afalabe Brown. Dr. Brown is board certified in pediatric pulmonary medicine and pediatric sleep disorders. As a double board certified pediatric respiratory sleep medicine physician, Dr. Brown helps her patients breathe better and sleep better. And by extension, she helps improve the sleep of her patients. Dr. Brown is a speaker, an educator, a writer, and the founder of Restful Sleep MD, where she helps busy professional women and their children prioritize sleep to not only achieve their optimal health, but also thrive and to live to their fullest potential. She does this through courses and programs focused on educating and empowering busy professional women to make sleep a priority as a critical pillar of their health. Dr. Brown is a member of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American Thoracic Society. She has also served on several committees locally, regionally, and nationally. Dr. Brown is passionate about mentoring the next generation of physician scholars and is particularly vested in the training and development of minority scholars. She also works with organizations and small businesses to improve employee health by incorporating healthy sleep as part of their wellness journey. She does this through seminars, workshops, and roundtable sessions. You can find out more about Dr. Afalabi Brown on her website at restfulsleepmd.com. And now, here's my interview with Dr. Funke Afalabi Brown. Good afternoon, Dr. Afalabi Brown. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, Lots of questions for you today. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. Let's talk a little bit about what are pediatric sleep disorders? So pediatric sleep disorders are a wide range of sleep difficulties we see in children. And so honestly, we see problems right from birth all the way through till adolescence and young adulthood. And this can comprise of medical sleep disorders, behavioral sleep disorders. And then also there are issues that are going on as part of you know, children's lives that can have its implications when it comes to sleep. So in that category, I would put things like, you know, autism, ADHD, anxiety, all those things tend to have an impact on how kids sleep. So really a broad range of issues can go on with kids sleep. Right. And you mentioned birth. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, that's a little surprising to, you know, hear the term sleep disorder and birth. So you can You can just come out of the womb with something? Yeah, yeah. Well, pretty much. So we usually will see those things as, especially children with genetic syndromes. Uh, So things like children that are born with, you know, maybe trisomy 21 or a condition called Prader-Willi syndrome or neuromuscular disorders. And we'll also see problems that can occur when children have sort of facial or craniofacial syndrome. So children that may have like a small jaw 
or sort of a smaller mid face. And what that does is one, it changes the, the anatomy of their face. And at times it makes that their airway that's already pretty tiny and narrow, even narrower. So that's one way. And so most likely you may see them have snoring or difficulties breathing or pauses in during sleep. And you can see that pretty quickly. Uh, in children who have low tone, so among those children with um, maybe neuromuscular diseases or children, like I mentioned, with Prader-Willi and some of these other genetic syndromes, what happens in that case is because their tone is just overall low, then they may have more of a floppier airway. And so because of that, they're more at risk for having sleep apnea. And that's usually one of the more, more common disorders you'll see. Uh, mm -hmm. In some situations, super duper rare, you can have a condition called central hypoventilation syndrome. And so what that is, is these children really just have, uh, their brain is not able to sense when carbon dioxide is rising in their blood. And the way we breathe, right? We're breathing in oxygen, we're breathing out carbon dioxide. So our brains sense, okay, now it's time to take a breath. So we'll breathe in oxygen, get the carbon dioxide out. And so for these children with central hypoventilation syndrome, their bodies just really, or their brains really don't have that response. And mm -hmm. we found uh, some gene that's responsible. It's called the FOX2B gene mutation. So um, that's going a little bit far, but just really letting you know that, yes, sleep problems can happen even in that newborn period. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not common, but it's just something parents should be aware of. Nothing and you mentioned the phrase low tone. So for parents, would you explain briefly what that is exactly? So your tone, your muscle tone really tends to be, when you're awake, it tends to be, you know, just like you and I, we have normal tone when we're awake, we're sitting upright, we're able to breathe normally. When we go to sleep, our muscles just relax. So these children have super duper super duper ultra relaxed muscles, muscles, if that helps. So essentially <laughs> your upper airway, uh, that same tone is up, isn't your upper airway. So if your upper airway is collapsing on itself, then you are at risk for snoring or having a, a hard time breathing. Okay. Got it. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about teens because um, anybody that visits your website, which we have a link for in the show notes, you're going to see a lot about teens. So let's just move over to that if we could. One of the things we hear about teen behavior, right, is that it's normal or it's, you know, just what teens do. Um, but some of these behaviors could actually be related to sleep issues. So what are some of the signs that parents should look for when it comes to identifying a, whether or not their teens getting a restful night's sleep? Yeah, that's a great question. So when it comes to teens, I always say they're in this perfect storm for sleeping difficulties. The first is that, you know, around puberty, there's a shift in their internal clocks. And so their bodies naturally drift towards a later bedtime, which is why when your, your teen is say, when you send them upstairs to sleep at 9 p.m. <laughs> and they say they're not sleepy and they're sneaking right. their phone into the room, they right. really are not able to generate sleep that early. So they, they, that okay. really shifts things. And so in a perfect world where they could choose their bedtime and choose their wake up time, it really wouldn't be an issue because they're just sleeping according to their physiology. But then we all know that most times we're dealing with early school start times in our middle school mm -hmm. and high schoolers. 
So uh-huh. unfortunately, even though their bodies may want to go to bed at about 11 p.m. and sometimes even as late as 12 midnight, they got to get up to catch the bus at the crack of dawn or even before then. And so they may need to wake up at 5.30. Some kids as early as 5, it's really, really unfortunate. And mm-hmm. so with that, imagine that they're getting really, really decreased sleep. And so with decreased sleep over time, even with, within the first few days of not getting enough sleep, you start to see manifestations like, you know, difficulties getting out of bed. You, so you're ringing multiple alarms to try to get them out. Right. And you start to see them just really exhausted and cranky and moody in the mornings. And really, I, I always tell families that your teen is sometimes they're not just out to make everybody miserable in the morning. <laughs> they themselves are just, you know, they're so sleep deprived. And so that tends to become uh, a big problem. And so during the day, they may start really feeling sleepy. We may start to see poor decision making. We may start to see impacts on their grades. We may see, you know, sometimes behavioral issues and things. So those are some of the, you know, the symptoms that you might notice that your teen is exhibiting or they're falling asleep on car rides and falling asleep in class. So that's something that we will see. Another thing that I, so the first one is really that shift, that physiologic shift, and then the early Mm -hmm. school start time. And then another thing that, of course, naturally our teens do engage in behaviors that do not support their sleep. So you have your teenager on, you know, in the, in the, in the need for social, uh, you know, social relations and interactions and things like that, which is a good thing, right? They want to, they thrive in community about this age. The only thing is the timing maybe off. So the, you know, the social media, the technology in their bedroom, drinking caffeine, all those things make it even harder for their bodies to really, really get to sleep. So those are so sort of there's the physiology part, and then there's kind of the behavioral part. Uh, And then the third one, I would say, even as a bonus, right, we're in in a time now where anxiety and mental health is really at an all, all-time high. So some of our teens may be anxious. They may It may be a situation where they get into bed and their minds are racing. They can't shut down and things like that. And so that might get in their way of getting enough sleep. So those are just a few uh, reasons why. And then also just what you, you might notice in your teen when they're, when they're having troubles with sleep. And, and that's, that's quite, that's a lot. Um, and, and it's funny, I think I think back from when I was a teenager and mm. I, I don't remember it being this bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, is is it just is that just perception? Or I mean, are you seeing there definitely has been this this change that it really is becoming this big of an issue? It is. I think it's it's definitely changed. I mean, uh, you know, there's some school districts, honestly, that have implemented uh, early later school start times and we are seeing significant improvements in their grades in mental health uh, in their mood we're seeing such improvement when you compare it to those who are still who are not getting enough sleep because their school start times are earlier so there is that and then you know now you know the connectedness uh, the digital world is taking on a life of its own, which was not as much as it was before, where kids sure, were outside sure. and kids were really physically active and mm-hmm. were coming, spending time with family and going to bed. Uh, so that's also a huge contributor. 
And are you seeing this in other countries as well? I mean, to this extreme or, or, you know, how is it manifesting in other countries? Well, so in some countries, but not all. I mean, I think the issue, again, really lies around we're really forcing their sleep in this really short window. And also, you know, in a lot of more of the sort of first world uh, um, countries where, again, there's access to so many privileges. There's a lot of competitiveness. We're trying to get our teens to the best schools. And so we load them up with all kinds of activities. And, you know, they're in, they're in, they're playing football and they're playing an instrument. And oh, by the way, they're in Boy Scouts. And, you know, there's so much more going on uh, that that's also playing a big role in some countries, you know, sort of first world countries, you may start to, you may see those issues, but definitely, you know, seen a lot more of it here in the U.S. So even as parents, we're trying to do, again, it's back, we're we're trying to do what we think is best and we're trying to help, but perhaps we're also adding to this issue by stretching them too thin, overstimulating them. They are. They are absolutely overscheduled. They are. And that's one of the things I encourage sometimes, you know, even with my sleeping teams course, one of the things I say is really check in with your parent and come up with a plan, a game plan of maybe I don't need to do all this like five activities, uh, including doing my homework, which may take two hours. And I don't get to sit down and start my homework because I have all these other after school activities. And so then I can't get to sleep. And then when I get into bed, I'm wired. I'm so wound up that you know, it's hard to fall asleep. So I think really prioritizing the things that matter, um, getting them involved in activities is helpful. It's great. But I think we need to strike a balance. Yep, I agree. And that makes sense. And again, you, you're you just trying to do what you think is best for them. And especially when you're looking at the competitive landscape for colleges right now. Yes. I mean, exactly. I've... I've I've fallen prey to that as well. It's like, what all does my child need to make her application stand out? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's so, it's such a competitive landscape (laughs) and we're starting this journey younger and younger and younger. And think about the anxiety that is causing our children as well, because of this need to complete, to perform. And so they're stretched. And so, you know, it's, it's this whole vicious cycle. Absolutely. Well, we mean well. We mean well. Exactly. We do. We're trying as parents, right? <laughs> yes. So, you know, when we're talking about anxiety with children, um, especially the ones that are overachievers just naturally, um, and then looking at ways that we can help them. Okay. So if we can streamline and maybe downsize some of their activities, hmm. um, controlling their social media and the electronics in the bedroom, what about things like um, meditation or tapping or other techniques that maybe we could teach them to help them, especially at night when they're in bed and they can't fall asleep and that anxiety is just building? Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent question. And one of the things, one of the core tenets of what I do with uh, a lot of my clients is really focusing on having a bedtime routine. You know, we have this beautiful elaborate bedtime routines for our little ones where they you know have their bath and then we read a book and we cuddle right. and we sing and we, you know we do all that and then yeah, our kids just yeah. go, 
they just go from, you know, in fact, they fall asleep in the midst of their, their schoolwork, right? They bring everything into the mm-hmm. bedroom with them. So just like even us parents, we all need to have that routine. And what that routine really does is actually pretty powerful. It's cueing your body in preparation for sleep. And I like to kind of put those different different elements of the bedtime routine it doesn't have to be something complicated it can be at least two or three activities that head in the direction of the bedroom so I usually will recommend some kind of hygiene right so whether you're changing into pjs brushing your teeth or having a bath whatever that looks like and then just really spending time sort of winding down over the course of the day so journaling is a powerful one meditation uh breathing Mm. you know incorporating that as part of your routine is so helpful finding time for meaningful connections with with our teenagers where you know if they have things going on on their minds they want to talk about I think that's really helpful as well again to help with unwinding and, and, and then also, you know, if you have a child that's really anxious, they may need to get counseling. They may need to see a therapist. You know, you would probably see those issues sort of show up during the day as well and not just at bedtime. But I think starting off with, you know, some kind of routine that really helps them to, to, to unplug and to transition from the day to bedtime. Uh, Another thing I always recommend, I see this a lot, is our teens spend a lot of time, even in their bedrooms, when it's not time for sleep. So they may be doing homework in bed, they may be having dinner in bed, watching Mm -hmm. movies, playing games, talking with friends, and our brains make associations, right? So our brains really make very rapid associations. And so one of the things we want to do is we want to connect our bed with sleep. But then if our bed becomes our dining room, our movie theater, uh, if it becomes our office space, right? If it becomes mm-hmm. our, you know, our, our game, our gaming room, right. then when it's time to sleep, it's really hard for us to make those connections. You were listening to Airway First with today's guest, Dr. Funke Afalabe-Brown. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to fix before six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for parents and medical professionals, including videos, blogs, a recommended reading list, comprehensive medical research, podcasts, and so much more. Parents are encouraged to join the Airway Huddle, our Facebook support group, which was created for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. Are you a medical professional or parent that is interested in being a guest on our show, or do you have an idea for an upcoming episode? Then shoot us a note via our contacts page on our website, or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Dr. Afalabe Brown.
That makes absolute sense. So as aside from some of these more, you know, psychological, physiological, let's talk a little bit more about some of the health issues, specifically what could be some of the undiagnosed health issues that could be sitting there in your teen. And as a parent, you know, you have, you have no idea um, what kind of issues like that could be contributing to sleep. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, again, I always come back to that, like the three categories. So medical sleep problems can get in our way. The habits can get in our way of good sleep at teens. And then also issues that are going on around the clock, like the anxiety or ADHD and things like that, that can get in our, in the way of sleep. When we come to the medical, the most, some of the common medical problems that teenagers might have can be things like sleep apnea. So they're also at risk for sleep apnea, um, especially those that may be overweight or if they have any structural differences with their face that makes their airway a little bit narrower or things like that. Uh, If they have, you know, sometimes they might have what you call restless leg syndrome, which is that very, you know, unpleasant discomfort that you have in your legs mostly uh, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you need this constant movement. And a lot of women in pregnancy may experience it, but, you know, our, our kids also may have it. Uh, typically it's relieved by motion, but then it does delay sleep onset and it might contribute to waking up at night. Uh, other sleep problems that you can think of, uh, not as not as rare as people think, is things like narcolepsy. And that's actually diagnosed around the teen years. Really? And so, yeah, narcolepsy is that it's, you know, it's this just uncontrollable urge to sleep. Uh, Mm -hmm. really, even in spite of having a full night of sleep. And you see it associated with other things like loss of muscle tone with strong emotion. They may have hallucinations around bedtime. They may have, uh, you know, uh, what we call sleep paralysis. So it's a combination of different symptoms. But the key is they have profound sleepiness and that's in spite of getting enough sleep. So if your child is having those kind of symptoms or any of the ones I just described, then you definitely want to bring it up with your physician so that, you know, they can undergo further evaluation. Okay. And further evaluation, will they take a child into a sleep lab? You know, if if they deem it, it's if if that's something. Yes, absolutely. If that's something that they, if there's concern for an underlying sleep disorder, then many mm-hmm. times the child might need a, a sleep study in a sleep lab, and that's to see if they have, you know, either sleep apnea or uh, something we call periodically movement disorder, which is you know sort of in the same family as the restless leg syndrome. Or for the narcolepsy as well, you get a sleep study and then you get a daytime study. And what that daytime study is called a multiple sleep latency test or a nap test. And so what that test really is showing is what's the likelihood that your child will fall asleep given the opportunity. And so there's certain very specific criteria we use to diagnose that. And when they give these tests to children, um, Mm -hmm. obviously that it's different than having an adult come in and get suited up and stay for the night obviously they make Mm -hmm. exceptions you know parents are parents close by do parents spend the night as well i mean how does that work 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you, typically they'll come into the sleep lab and a parent has to be there um, if the child is below 18. And so the parent is there and they have a, either a pull-out couch or somewhere where they lay next to the child and, and, and things like that in the same room. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I, I'd like to dig into a little bit more about so you have a child that has this lack of sleep, specifically a teen. I mean, mm. in previous podcasts, we talk a lot about younger children, but let's talk about teens, you know, how this manifests and how it presents itself behaviorally, but also what are some of the health impacts that maybe we haven't talked about? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a valid piece too. So some of the things we see again is, oh, your child has maybe daytime sleepiness or mood problems. We've seen anxiety and depression really correlate with insufficient sleep in teenagers. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, even increased suicidality, increased risk-taking behaviors, uh, you know, such as, you know, drugs, gambling, things like that. You see that and 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 also we see physical symptoms too so uh there's been studies that have shown if children have insufficient sleep they are at risk for obesity so really gaining that excessive weight in some situations they may be at risk for hypertension uh in adults you may see things like you know type 1 diabetes and strokes and things like that we don't have as much robust data in in children but definitely mm-hmm. in teens we've seen that obesity is a big one um as well as in some situations hypertension as well in addition to all the learning difficulties uh mental health problems that are there wow yeah well so as a parent, if you suspect this because you're seeing these behaviors or you know, your child's having trouble sleeping, or maybe you've, you've heard them snoring, which we've discussed is, you know, that's a sign of sleep apnea mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah. At what point do you as the parent say, I think there's enough here, you know, to, to bring this up to your pediatric provider or your physician? Yeah, no, I think the sooner the better. You know, if now if they have snoring, but it's allergy season, <laughs> right? So that's right, probably right, not true. a thing. Yeah. Right. If they have snoring and they have a cold, you know, but if you're noticing there's habitual snoring, say for instance, and you are, and usually when we say habitual snoring, we're saying three or more nights um, a week, and then you're noticing either daytime issues as well, then you want to bring it up. Uh, you know, I think that's just, it's better safe than, sorry, it's better to overcall it than have your child struggle for long. So, uh, you know, that's if it's true. things like insomnia, which is also something that we see in in, in our teenagers where they have difficulties falling asleep, staying asleep, or they're waking up uh, excessively early. And because of that, they're having daytime effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually people will say insomnia should have should be going on for about three months when you're having those symptoms. Okay. Uh, I don't, I mean, that's what our, you know, our guidebook, which is the International Classification of Sleep Disorders, that's what he uses. Okay. But you know, if you have a child who's really, really struggling at times, just having a quick check-in uh, with your your physician to say, okay, are we missing anything here? We may, we don't have to wait three months if the child is already like falling apart and struggling and, and things like that during the day. Uh, but the, the standard definition says the symptoms should have gone on for three months. Wow. 
Well, and a lot can happen in three months too. So yeah, exactly. And then you can have uh, also, you know, we that's sort of more of chronic insomnia. There's also the entity of acute insomnia, which most many of us experience, right? You have a, a right. move, the loss of a loved one, something happens, and then you know, for you might have a you may have a, a hard time for a few days. And then things kind of settle down or a couple of weeks and then things settle down. So I think usually they're using those guidelines so that, you know, some of these things just naturally will improve depending on the season of life the child is mm. going through, uh, such that if it's persistent uh, by that three month mark, then definitely something else is going on. Got it. And that's where those check-ins can come in handy, right? Because as the parent, you may or may not know what's going on at school from the personal side that could be impacting it. Right. Well, let's chat a little bit about Restful Sleep MD um, and some of the courses that you provide, because these courses are for parents, correct? Yes. So the uh, the course, the teens courses is actually for the teens. Uh, It's really it's a self-paced course that takes uh, the teenager themselves through the knowledge of sleep. Right. Because if we think about it, maybe at most they hear get, you know, eight to 10 hours of sleep by sleep is good for you. You know, and nobody really gets that. And even as a, as a, as a, as a physician myself, I think I had all of maybe one, one hour of lecture on sleep. So I had to go ahead and get a full training to become certified to care for patients. So this, and this, if we think about all these effects and the impacts of insufficient sleep in our teens, it's not something we want to just leave to the lock of the draw. Mm -hmm. So I really, and I realized that a lot of parents just struggle. Like you said, sometimes they don't even know their teens are having sleep issues, you know? Right. And sometimes, you know, no matter how much you tell them to, you know, get rid of the phone at bedtime, if they don't understand why and what's going on in their bodies, then it becomes this uphill battle. So how about we empower them, giving them that autonomy? They understand these things themselves. Uh, they do some self-reflection so that they know, okay, this is the reason why I shouldn't be taking super long naps during the day. This is what caffeine does to my body. This is why trying to catch up on all the sleep on the weekend may not completely work. You know, So they understand right. it themselves so that then it's easier to have a conversation because that motivation to to sleep well becomes more of an intrinsic motivation. And, and they're yeah. 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 And, and like you said, they're empowered, right? So they're they're yes. they're taking part in this yeah. decision. It's not the parent going, go do this, go do this, go here's this. why. Yeah. yeah. And what yeah. kind of outcomes are you seeing for the teens that have taken this course? Those that have taken it have really enjoyed it because some of them had no idea. And, you know, I had one, for instance, who just had, you know, iced tea with dinner and didn't know that was an issue and just couldn't sleep. (laughs) You know, and so sometimes it, it comes to things like that. And so, you know, by himself, caught back on caffeine. And, you know, so I think it really does make a difference when they understand it and it's broken down to their level without too much fluff. Uh, and then they can make choices because these sleep habits, it's not like an overnight thing, right? So they can then mm-hmm. slowly start to build healthy sleep habits that are sustainable versus, oh, just a whole list of rules for them to follow. And, and, this knowledge that you're empowering them with not only helps them now, 
we're arming them, I guess. Yes. For for their health, for their health span, yeah. you know, preparing them yeah. to have healthier lives, as you had, were talking about earlier, maybe reducing some of these other physical impacts. Absolutely. And honestly, the content is absolutely uh, helpful even for the parents, <laughs> right? Our, we as parents also need to be role, good role models. Yeah. So these are very fundamental. Uh, that impacts your own health as, a, as an adult, right? As, you know, because our kids learn most from what we do rather than oh, what yes. we're saying. Right. <laughs> so, right. You know, so so you and also sometimes of course getting your child to be even motivated to sit and the videos are really short as well. Right. So we had my their attention span in mind, especially when they're not sleeping well, their attention mm. is also short. Right. So right. really bite-sized videos. So the parent you can watch it together, talk about it, come up with action items to take and then you know you move on from there so i definitely agree with establishing a great sleep foundation not just for the short term but for the long haul i think that's great at the end of every episode i always like to turn the floor over to our guest and just any final thoughts that you want to leave with parents or anything that maybe we didn't cover that you want to make sure parents and medical professionals hear from you. Yeah. So I think, and thank you so much for this. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I think one of the reasons why this has been my mission to help, uh, you know, high achieving professionals and their children with sleep is because we are a sleep deprived uh, generation, right? We are the CDC has declared that insufficient sleep is a global pand- uh, epidemic, you know? So mm-hmm. this is an issue that we're seeing across the board. We're seeing it at work. We're seeing it in our kids. We're seeing kids diagnosed with uh, ADHD and impulsivity and inattentiveness at a number that's just ridiculously high. Kids are being, being prescribed medications and it may be that they do need it, but sometimes really drawing, coming down to, is there anything else going on? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that may be sleep. And so it could be that you start with increasing sleep, even just by 15 to 30 minutes, it will make a world of difference. It could be that we are becoming more intentional to pay attention to saying, okay, you know what, we're going to have healthy sleep habits. That's transformational. And so we can start from that and then we can build from there. So, yeah. Thank you again so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. (laughs) Thanks again to today's guest, Dr. Funke Afalabe-Brown, for sharing her medical insight and to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or a comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Parents can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. Looking for more from CAF? Then check out our new YouTube channel. You can find a variety of informative original video content pieces, as well as the video recordings and excerpts from selected Airway First podcast episodes. 
If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working hard to help make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.